0: Three, two, one. Right Side Patriots has a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth. So buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not going to stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the last day of February, February 28th, and welcome to
1: it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig and folks. Ten more days to Christmas. Probably ten, wait, only wait, about stop. Ten more I days. Mean, ten more months, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Ten more months to Christmas, but probably only about three or four months away from the stores putting all their Christmas stuff out.
0: Why do they even bother taking it down?
1: I don't know. It's like we go right from summer into Christmas. Halloween doesn't matter, Thanksgiving doesn't matter. It's just right into Christmas.
0: Now, yeah, the over-commercialization of the holiday usually begins, what, in July because they, they start having Christmas in July sales.
1: I know. I know. It's, oh, cra- it, it's absolutely crazy. But you know what? Halloween is a candy holiday. Thanksgiving is, is really a family and food holiday. But Christmas is buy, 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 gifts, 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 you know, and, and I think that has a lot to do with it.
0: You know, I know when I used to work in terrestrial radio, it seemed like every year it'd get just a little bit earlier when we'd start playing Christmas music on the air. And I tell you, by the time December 1st rolled
1: around, I was sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you like living in South Florida in August? And, you know, it's hot here in August. And here it is. We're all at the beach in bathing suits, shorts, whatever. And you go into the stores, and there are Santas and trees and, you know, imitation snow. It's like, what, you know, what's going on here? It's well, becoming sooner and sooner every year.
0: Yeah, it was that way when I worked or, or lived in uh, North Phoenix, too. You okay. know, I mean, you, you go into a store in October – And it would be 100 degrees outside. (laughs) Yeah. And they got Christmas stuff out. It's just like, oh, jeez wheeze.
1: Well, it shows how screwed up we all are, right?
0: Well, priorities, priorities, right? Yes. (laughs) We got some interesting stuff to talk about tonight. Diane, you're talking about Ukraine, Putin's proxy war.
1: Yeah, and that's not, you know, that's something that most people haven't thought of. Yes, Ukraine is fighting. However, in a way, Russia is also fighting us.
0: Well, and there's more even than that involved in it. You're going to get us all up to speed Um, in about 25 minutes. You'll do that. Uh, After that, I'll be talking about the fundamental transformation of education.
1: Mhm-, gee, that word transformation you know what it reeks of?
0: yes, I do
1: <laughs> forty four folks,
0: <laughs> yep, yep, I certainly do, but before we get to all of that, we've got some interesting stuff in the quick hitters tonight. We'll start down in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis, who has pulled the plug on Woke Disney,
1: yes. And he's making Disney World now more accountable to the people. And all this started when they took his bill about education and turned it into an anti-gay bill. It never even says the word gay in it or even mentions anything about um, gay people or anything like that. So he took away their reedy creek improvement district exemption which made them a self-governing exemption and basically screw the taxpayers the hell with other amusement parks in the area and we you know tough well they're their own thing and and the taxpayers get stuck on you know the bad end of it
0: it's not a happy day at the mouse house in florida uh today right and it, you know florida you know th- you've got florida as a state and within that state you had an autonomous government set up mm-hmm. and that was and that was disney uh right. they really were their own government entity and right. um uh, that had been in existence since what 1967
1: 67 well now they're going to be treated like universi- uh, universal universal sea world Um, and the other big attractions here in Florida. They didn't deserve this, but I understand why it went into effect because this was a mega, mega building project. And I get it. That part of Florida was very undeveloped. I get it. It served its purpose in the beginning, but it should have been dismantled and become part of, you know, being governed by the state many decades ago.
0: Well, Disney took advantage of the situation and abused the perks that they had been given. Right. Um, you know, and chances are it would have been allowed to to continue, but Disney went woke, mm-hmm. and uh, and they they spread uh, propaganda. Really, I don't know how else to put it. Propaganda. Regarding uh, that bill that Desantis was pushing, that the liberals called it the "Don't Say Gay" bill.
1: Right, and it had nothing to do about gay.
0: No, but but that didn't matter. That's the label right. they stuck on it. Disney ran with that. You know, mm-hmm. I I, mean, I can understand liberals at large wanting to propagandize something like that. But you would think a corporation the size of Disney, with all the perks and all the benefits they have they would have stayed out of the political arena. They would have been smart to have stayed out of it, but they didn't. They were not that smart. They got Mm -hmm. involved in it. They championed the, the liberal agenda item. Disney called it the Don't Say Gay Bill. And as it turns out, a good, and I mean a good number of the people that work at Disney, they hated the way Disney reacted to that bill. And they're very happy now that, that those perks have been taken away because the employees at Disney are now in a better situation than they were when Disney was its own government.
1: Right. Well, you know, there's a basic rule where if you allow a corporation to control its own government, you're actually setting bad policy Involving decisions that impact an entire area. Right. It, it, it's just not the right policy and it doesn't work, especially with a corporation that depends on foreign tourists, well, you know, from other countries, depends sure. on tourists from all over this country. They see how something is being run and it's, it's, just wrong in how it was run, they didn't have to follow state um uh, uh what do you safety rules they didn't have to follow state building rules. There have been accidents over the years at Disney where a few people sure. have been killed. That's all going to be prevented now, so it's also a safety issue what DeSantis did he's making the actual grounds safer.
0: Well, and good for him, you know, I mean, it's going to take Disney some time to adjust to not rule their own roost, but you know, they had this coming. If they hadn't abused the, the situation they were handed for years and years and decades, then this probably never would have been necessary, but they did. They did abuse the perks that they had been given, the benefits that they had been given. Right. And, and now it's over.
1: Right. And it's it's a shame. I know. I love Disney. When my kids were little, we used to go two and three times a year, stay at their hotels. They were making mega money off people that go there. And now people are staying away. And it's a shame, because it really, uh, this woke nonsense killed Walt Disney's dream of what it should be. Walt would probably be spinning like a
0: lathe in his grave.
1: I definitely think
0: so. You know, not necessarily the happiest place on earth tonight. I
1: think it'll come
0: back though. <laughs> I you know, if they know what's good for them, they'll get out of the political arena and and just stick to entertainment. Right. You know, and 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 you know, making happy memories for families.
1: Right. And I think they will. I th- I personally think That they've learned their lesson? Well, time will tell. Right.
0: You know. Uh, Elsewhere in the quick hitters, the USDA is finding themselves in hot water because they have been failing at protecting American agricultural land.
1: Exactly. Well, folks, if this doesn't scare you, I don't know what will. But one 0.7% 0.7% of all land in the United States is now owned, especially agricultural land is now owned by foreign governments including governments that are not our friends like Iran, Russia, North Korea and China.
0: You know, we see a lot of that going on in our area. You know, I live in the Midwest mm-hmm. and you know, we're kind of the the breadbasket of the country. Um and we're big meat producers. Not that that involves Diane in any way, shape, no.
1: Does not involve me. I'm a vegetarian yeah. almost my whole life. No, no, I don't kill animals.
0: <laughs> you know, we live in cattle country here and our dinner craps on your dinner. <laughs> so, you know, we're we're above the food chain as far as you're concerned. But um Well, we don't have, in my particular neck of the woods, a lot of foreign ownership of agricultural land. They do have a worrisome amount of it going on up in South Dakota. And Governor Nome up there has been trying to get that stopped. But the bill that got killed about a week ago that would have stopped it actually, I think, went too far. I agree with the South Dakota legislature in in putting an end to it because it was too subjective. Um, Mm. It would have created a a panel and then the final decision as to whether a piece of land could be sold to a foreign entity would rest with whoever the governor is. And and to me, that's too subjective. It needed to have hard limits uh, on it. Uh, South Dakota already has a situation where you can't, if you're a foreign entity, you can't own more than 160 acres. But there are loopholes in that. They need to tighten those up. And the legislature up there is looking at at finding a way to tighten that up and and restrict it even further. So good for them.
1: Let me stick something in here, except for foreign embassies which are always owned by a foreign country, just like we own embassies, the land in in foreign countries. Besides embassies, I don't believe any foreign government should own any American land.
0: I, you know, I tend to agree with you. Um, one of the problems up there, and one of the problems even in our, you know, state here in Nebraska, is... We're kind of a strategic area.
1: Uh, yeah, El- are.
0: Ellsworth Air Force Base is in South Dakota, and mm-hmm. the Chinese are buying land close to that. You don't want that. That should not be allowed. In western Nebraska, in our little panhandle area, which is not little, it's a pretty good size. But in our panhandle area, we have eighty strategic missile silos. Right, and, and you don't want foreign ownership of land around those either. But I'll tell you one of the other things, and, and you know, uh, everybody's right when they say you know foreign entities should not own land, but one of the reasons they're trying to do it, and especially the Chinese right now, is they want to have control over food production in this country. And to that end, not only have they been trying to buy farmland, But they also own, and again, this has nothing to do with Diane, but they also own a lot of meat processing
1: and meat packing plants around the country. Well, let me tell you something about that. No, that doesn't affect me. That's true. However, remember, China's population is out of control. They're also using these areas to grow the food, harvest the food, whatever, and send it back. Right. To places in their own country where they cannot feed their own people.
0: That's that's very true. So it it is a problem and mm-hmm. uh you know you think well they own 1 point whatever percent that's all, a lot of land folks. You, you know you think about it you know it's like 1% well that's nothing but 1% of our land is a lot. Yes. You know.
1: Yeah. And remember Hillary selling out you know the land where our uranium was? Right. Is whatever
0: <laughs> right and, yeah. and you know there's so there's a lot of different aspects to this and uh, the USDA um, you would think they would be up in arms over it they're not um, and, well, and you know you he, can trace that why. back
1: well yeah you know why do you think Biden and you know his crew that are part of the USDA are gonna stop China from doing anything
0: no, but it's no. not just a problem that cropped up over the last two years. This has been an ongoing situation. True. So administrations prior to this have also ignored
1: it. Yeah, that's that's very true. But most of this took a turn for the worst with Obama.
0: Well, I think it. I think it really ramped up quite a bit uh, yeah. under under Obama. That's what um, I mean. Yeah, and you know maybe it slacked off a little bit you know in the four years trump was in the white house but it's going full steam now and uh something's got to be done you know here's here's another problem when you allow foreign entities whether it be countries or individuals to buy up farmland you're actually killing off the small family farms and you know you you think about a family farm and, and you know they call them small family farms they're huge i mean i mean these could be hundreds if not thousands of acres right and it's farmland it's ranch land you know and you're you're putting america's farmers out of business when you sell agricultural land to foreign entities or individuals
1: Right, and you're also forgetting the overall health itself of the agricultural food supply chain is affected.
0: Well, it it is. You will find no better stewards of the land than you will in farmers and ranchers in this country. But you turn that over to foreign entities, maybe they're not going to be as good as stewards. And, you know, if you don't take care of the land, it will not take care of you for very long. Right.
1: And the Republicans are trying to get out there in new control of the House that food security is actually national security and that we have to work to protect the finite amount, excuse me, of agricultural land that we have in America. And that's true. It's it's because very because we're losing farmland to agriculture and stupid things like wind farms and all sorts of other nonsense.
0: Well, and you know, I'll just throw this one last thing in. And again, it has nothing to do with Diane. But if you go to the grocery store and and you pick up a meat product, and let's say it's pork chops, let's say it's it's beef, uh, you know, whatever it is, and you see on the label. Uh, product of the USA. Yes okay? that doesn't Functional mean
1: language.
0: yeah, that doesn't mean it was raised in the USA. What right. product of the USA means is that it was packaged in the USA. Correct. So a lot of that meat is coming from Argentina, uh, Mexico, uh, different places, and what what they do is they ship it here. They they tear it down, they repackage it, and they slap that label on it. So one of the things we're trying to get done uh, in Nebraska, and we'd like to see this nationwide, is called Cool Country of Origin labeling. Yes, that's a good idea. So, you know, it, there's there's been movement on that in, in my state. Uh, it's being uh, proposed in the House, uh, being led by uh, the, the elected people from Nebraska and Iowa and South Dakota and some of those places. So we'll kind of keep you up to date on that. Uh, California is losing not only people, Diane, but billions and billions of dollars.
1: Yeah, a lot of the wealthy people who what they consider who make over $200,000 a year are leaving California in droves. And that's great that they're leaving the sinking ship that is California. But when you come to the other states, especially Texas and Florida, leave your political crap behind. We don't want it.
0: I wonder how many liberals are actually fleeing California because this is supposed to be their utopia
1: well, then utopia is kind of a piece of crap
0: yeah it's it 's more like a you toilet I um, think
1: so. there are you, not enough toilets
0: <laughs> you know if you if you look at the situation in California, I mean the homeless problems the the illegal problems, the crime problems, the high ta- sky high taxation issues How about the
1: regulations on building.
0: Oh my God! And and not only on building, but you know the California says they're going to do away. You can't buy a gas
1: powered car in a few years. I'm surprised. You know, anyone with a half a brain cell is still in California. I mean. The liberal nonsense, the woke nonsense, folks like Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, they've turned California into basically a third-world shithole. I hate to put it that bluntly, but that's what it is.
0: Well, and it's not getting any better. In fact, it's getting worse by the day. Uh, You look at San Francisco, Los Angeles. If you go up in the northern part of California, it's gorgeous. If you go... Um, in, in the northeast, San
1: Francisco, I don't think so.
0: No, I mean, I mean around Sonoma, um, you know, up in, up in that area. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful area. I'm not, I'm not talking San Francisco. You have to go more to the East. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, there are parts of California that are simply stunning. Um, and there's, there's pockets of conservatism, uh, in some of those places But unfortunately, the liberals hold sway over all of it, and Mm -hmm. uh, the situation just keeps going downhill.
1: Yeah, I mean, California is not all liberal loons. I mean, I have friends that live in California, and they're Republicans. They're not liberals, but that's their home. And... Maybe it's time that Californians that really consider California their home need to start fighting back at the would, ballot box and, you know. Well, you
0: would think so. And you would think that even, even the Democrats in California would be getting tired of paying the sky-high taxes and having, uh, you know, soaring crime rates and, You know, homeless people peeing in the street everywhere you go in in the major cities. You'd think they'd even be getting tired of it and and start looking for a change.
1: Well, apparently they're not. That's the problem. The few that are looking for a change are leaving. Yeah, They're leaving. But like I said, leave. If you're on the left side of the aisle, leave that crap where you came from.
0: Well, the the people are leaving, and they're taking their money with them. Yes, you know, look now, at Elon Musk. Well, yeah, he moved to Texas.
1: He moved to Texas, yeah, and uh,
0: can't blame him.
1: No, nope, not at all.
0: Uh, finally, in the quick hitters tonight, there's another state that's about to lose some people. Maybe uh, there's several counties in Oregon that are currently voting to leave Oregon and become part of Idaho.
1: Yeah. And it, it's a very interesting concept where, like, a good half of the state wants to secede from the state and become part of another state. But the funny thing is, when you think about it, yeah, I understand why they're doing it. The conservative part of Oregon wants to go into Idaho. I get it. But in a way... That kind of sets very bad precedent, because not only when you become part of another state, but you change the voting demographics of the state, the number of representatives. There's a lot of things involved with just saying, I'm seceding and going to another state. It's not that easy.
0: No, it's it's not an easy thing, and we don't know if it's actually going to happen, but you know, if they if these counties leave Oregon and go to Idaho, Idaho's going to gain representation in the House. Right. Oregon might lose a little bit. I'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it's also, it would make Idaho then the country's third largest state. Right. And, and while Idaho, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful state. It's great. It's, it's mostly on the right side, but you also have some pockets in Idaho Sure, where as far to the right, they're so far to the right that they shake hands with the left, and they're just as loony as some parts of the left. So you got to really be careful
0: there well there's pockets of liberalism in Idaho just like there is just about everywhere else
1: I'm not talking um, about the liberals I'm talking about the far yeah I'm, right just, I, I,
0: I'm just saying you know uh there's there's a mix it's mostly red but but there's some loons Yeah. I mean, it, but you'll find loons in every state I mean that's true unfortunately you know it's just just the way it works um so it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of that it certainly won't be a quick deal and and i think both as i understand it anyway both states would have to agree to shift the border
1: right and wouldn't it also have to become a ballot initiative probably
0: yeah 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 so i mean there's a lot of a lot of stuff that would have to happen before uh, we would actually see that come to fruition. But in the couple of minutes we have left in this segment, Diane, I just want to mention that the people in Chicago are voting tonight on May. Yes,
1: and it doesn't look like uh, Lori Lightfoot's going to win, unless the Dominion machines do their stuff.
0: Well, now they expect there's probably going to be a runoff. Um. You know, because like some other places, you have to get X number of votes, you know, a certain percentage of the votes to avoid a runoff. And it doesn't look like anybody's going to reach that threshold. So the question tonight is, will Lori Lightfoot get enough votes to be in the runoff?
1: I don't know, because right now they're reporting that the turnout at the polls is very, very sluggish. Ooh.
0: That could be a bad sign. Now, again, this is part and parcel of the liberal agenda, why it's sluggish as far as turnout, and why Lori Lightfoot's in trouble. They've taken on all the woke policies. They've checked off all the the woke boxes. Um, They they want to defund the police. So crime has skyrocketed in Chicago. The murder rate is up. The violent crime rate is up. Uh, you know, they've they've got all the problems that they bought and paid for when they elected right. Lori Lightfoot. So
1: Right. She probably is one of the worst mayors this whole entire country has ever seen.
0: Well, we'll keep an eye on that as we go through the show tonight. We probably won't get any final results on that uh before we get off the air tonight. But I guarantee you, we'll be talking about it on Friday.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I can only hope that she doesn't even get enough votes to make the uh, runoff.
0: I I hope that's the case, but we'll see. With that, we've made it to the end of the uh, segment. Coming up... In about 30 minutes, I'm talking about the fundamental transformation of education. But when we come back from this bottom of the hour break, Diane's got it with Ukraine, Putin's proxy war. So folks, stay with us. There's more Right side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorey. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet.
1: You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome
0: back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sorey at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of tonight's show, You want to go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning, hit that podcast button, and you can listen to this show in its entirety and any of the others you like. Yes. All right, Diane. so this war is uh, into its second year, uh, Mm -hmm. Ukraine and Russia. Uh, We just passed the one-year anniversary a day or so ago, and um, we, we now have a clearer picture of what's going on over there in a reality sense not just in a visual sense right
1: yes we do and let's start with this it's a quote i do not know with what weapons world war 3 will be fought but world war 4 will be fought with sticks and stones now that was said by albert einstein And no more needs to be said about who he is. Last week in my article, an essay on Ukraine, I wrote about history's lessons now seemingly unlearned, and why Ukraine is not just a harbinger back to the past, but a dangerous foreboding of a possible future. A future that, if not handled correctly now, will not play out well in our, Ukraine's, or the free world's favor. And while Vladimir Putin currently has garnered for himself the leading actor role in this current modern-day game of war, a war with seemingly no end in sight, the United States, under the misplaced leadership of Joe Biden, is being seen by both allies and enemies alike as but a laughingstock at best. And to add to Ukraine's and now our role's we see what was a somewhat self contained war being expanded on a worldwide scale as a new player is set to upstage all the current key players, with said player's name being Red China, who of course is talking out of both sides of its mouth. Red China the very nation who by a manpower alone deems itself always ready for war, recently saw its leaders flexing political muscle by first threatening to side with and help arm Putin's Russia in its war against Ukraine, and then days later saying that China is now willing to mediate and help bring this, quote, horrifying invasion to an end, but that they would do so only while remaining committed to to their no-limits partnership with Russia. Obviously now playing both sides of the political coin, as well as having armed both sides with non-lethal drones, China has introduced what they call a 12-point plan to end the war, a plan courtesy of a country known for its flagrant violations of basic human rights. But Craig, know that China did abstain when the United Nations General Assembly voted last week on a non-binding resolution calling for Russia to end hostilities in Ukraine and withdraw its troops from the former Soviet state.
0: You know, China recently has kind of been running their mouth a little bit, but they're, they're trying to come across as being, let's say, reserved about all of this. But That's not really what they are, right? I mean, it's kind of misleading what they're saying.
1: Absolutely, because they're now adding, as per their foreign ministry website, that, quote, nuclear weapons must not be used and nuclear wars must not be fought. The threat or use of nuclear weapons should be opposed, that's their quote. As we do not know that China herself is running scared especially as they plan to soon reabsorb Taiwan back into the mainland's fold, for even they know that Putin is acting irrationally, what with his not taking a nuclear option in regards to Ukraine off the proverbial table.
0: So you can't, you can't really take China as the, the word of reason here, the voice of reason, right? I no, mean, not yeah. at all. Yeah.
1: Not at all. But it's no matter China's incursion into the political discourse, no matter its abstaining from the UN's above-stated resolution, because we also saw last week the Duma, which is Russia's lower house of parliament, unanimously approving Putin's suspending of the all-important New START treaty, the very treaty they and we signed back in 2010, Extended in 2021 by five years, with this being the very treaty that placed specific limits on the number of strategic nuclear warheads that both the U.S. and Russia can have. And isn't almost everything of importance about numbers? In this case, limiting to 1,500, the number of nuclear warheads both the U.S. and Russia can possess, while the NATO nations of France and the United Kingdom do have 290 and 225 such warheads respectively. But while those seem like large numbers, know that said numbers are far from the truth, what with Russia currently having in its possession 5,977 nuclear warheads to our 5,428 such weapons. But when uh, NATO nations' weapons are added into our total, the numbers shift to we the good guys having 5,943 such weapons, with Russia having 5,977, still leaving our side to lag behind a bit. But when Israel's estimated 80 to 400, if not more, such weapons are also added to our side and China's. As per the latest Pentagon estimate, 250 to 350 nuclear war uh, warheads added to Russia's fold. That number shifts in favor of our side, as in our having 6,343 strategic nuclear weapons, compared to Russia and China having 6,327 such weapons combined, thus allowing we, the good guys, to outnumber the bad guys by 16 nuclear warheads. Now those are outrageous numbers indeed, and quite a tongue twister too, numbers equating to what would surely be nuclear annihilation. So why do I even bring these numbers up? Simply to show the foolishness of the new START treaty itself. Foolishness as in obviously not being adhered to by either side. And when the cumulative numbers of nuclear warheads on each side are added up, equaling 12,670 such weapons now being in play. The fact is that even if a single handful of such warheads were launched in regards to Ukraine, we would see Mother Earth herself becoming but a distant memory in the universe's ever unfolding story. No, Craig? Putin's withdrawal from the New Star Treaty is not the real issue here, as all it does is show the world that a 1,500 nuclear warhead limit was always laughable at best. And with nuclear Armageddon now dangerously close at hand, it must be understood that Putin's invasion of Ukraine was indeed based solely upon politics and not as a means towards simple military conquest. Why so? Because each side could easily wipe out the other with just the push of a single button.
0: Okay, so that's all well and fine, and it's very true. But Vladimir Putin is making big noise. Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, coming out of Russia and making claims that are patently false. And I think pretty much the entire world knows it's false, even those
1: that are pushing his narrative. So why is he doing that? Okay, he's simply doing it because Ukraine has become Putin's proxy. And in his mind, a justifiable reason for being at war with the United States the very country that saw President Reagan bringing down both Mother Russia and the Soviet Union itself, bringing them down to their knees. And here let's remember that for Vladimir Putin, saving face is as important to him and to Russia as it is to China and its leader Xi Jinping. And so with China now entering the fray, no matter in what capacity, the war being fought in Ukraine is really a war between the East versus the West, between democracy versus communism, between capitalism versus socialism, and most importantly, between freedom and conquest through attrition. Now, all being fought as we move dangerously closer to either all-out nuclear war or a one-world government finally trumping all. So now we see two possible scenarios, neither one of them good nor desirable. So unless we put our collective fear of Vladimir Putin's threats aside, Ukraine will indeed become ground zero for nuclear war. The very thing Putin seems to have no fear of. In fact, Putin's actions alone reek of his itching for nuclear war, baited actions bolstered by red China's entering the battleground discourse, for better or worse. So why else, Craig, would Putin be continuing to fight a war that he appears to be militarily losing, if not for having the nuclear option readily on the table? Remember, Threats of Armageddon, in some form or another, have appeared throughout mankind's history, and history does tend to repeat itself, even when our eyes are wide open.
0: Well, historically, we've seen even the, the worst of people uh, in, in countries like Russia uh, exhibit some common sense by not resorting to nuclear warfare, but what's the chance that that common sense is going to be present now?
1: Well, you know, simply history lessons unlearned will once again become today's sad reality, especially when madmen and fools continue running the show. And when self-serving political interests, more times than not, override both common sense and what passes for basic logic, a nuclear-fought World War Three cannot be far behind so how do we and nato how does ukraine stop what could be a suicidal leaning vladimir putin from turning blood already spilled into a nuclear initiated world war 3 First, it must be decidedly understood that Vladimir Putin totally underestimated both Zelensky's and the Ukrainian people's ability to not only fight back, but to hold on to territory he now covets, thus leading to tangible emotions bubbling over. So Putin really has but one single option left if not nuclear war. And that option is to keep U.S. due diligence focused solely on how the rest of the world regards and acts upon his overtly imperialistic ambitions, while at the same time he accepts as fact that any negotiated settlement reached will be both fragile at best and reliant on a third-party intervention. And here... I do not mean Red China playing both sides with its recent incursion, but how Israel, yes, Israel, reacts to the very conflict that they, up until now, have tried hard to stay out of. Israel could well be the much-needed third party to bring both sides to the table. Why so? Because what most forget is that Israel has a good working relationship and personal relationship with both Ukraine and Russia. In fact, Putin considers Israel to be a, quote, crucial regional player, end quote, a player who happens to have considerable influence here in the U.S., And with U.S. News & World Report now listing the Jewish state of Israel as the world's 10th most powerful nation due to its military strength and in relations to its political and global economic successes, Craig, it might be Israel that can accomplish the task that up until now has been impossible, as in getting both Putin and Zelensky to make the necessary concessions needed for ending not just ongoing hostilities, but the war itself.
0: You know, it's really interesting that you bring up Israel because nobody else is, mm-hmm. and and they're definitely a player in this. But one of the things that I think a lot of other people have not figured out, I mean, along with the fact that Israel could become a major player in this, is that mm-hmm. this war is not just being fought in the the theater of war, but it's also kind of a battle of the bank accounts,
1: isn't it? Well, yeah, Putin and Russia are hurting, both on the battlefield and economically at home, as the bills of war do add up, while sanctions placed are hurting. War is indeed an expensive game to play both in blood and treasure, meaning that war cannot go on forever. Exit options are not just about saving face, but about the reality being that it's better to negotiate and settle than to outright lose in war. This is truly the place Putin now finds himself in, even though he will not admit it, while Volodymyr Zelensky and his forces have most of the world on their side. Simply, Better to negotiate the best possible out than to blow us all up, something I think that even Putin would dare not do. So what can Israel offer as a peacemaker that others could not? The answer is really quite simple in that by Israel's having avoided taking public positions as to where they stand in regards to this war, Israel has been able to work behind the scenes with all parties involved. For while it silently bolsters Ukraine, Israel has not alienated Putin or Russia. In other words, in Israel's looking out for Israel, They have also succeeded in maintaining good relations with the U.S. and Ukraine, while at the same time working to strengthen Putin's acceptance of Israel's freedom to operate militarily against Iranian forces out for their destruction, including those forces currently active in Syria In other words, no other country but Israel has alienated any side in this war, and that alone makes Israel an ideal candidate in trying to bring a negotiated end to said war. Diplomacy can still work in regards to Ukraine, but China is not the country to do so, as their ties to Russia run too deep. And besides, with Israel's having the world's only workable EMP device, They actually can bring this war to an end if it and Putin truly gets out of hand. Just saying, case closed.
0: You know, at the bottom of this, you've also got the uh, China 12-point plan uh, to end the Russia versus Ukraine war. And, And frankly, it's laughable.
1: It is laughable at best because it's just common sense. It's stuff that's been around forever that doesn't work because it's too simplistic in its approach.
0: I mean, this is a very complex situation, and, and they're dealing in vague generalities at best with this 12-point yes. plan. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is one of those things that they put out there because they want to be seen as the voice of reason, but they're anything but. Right. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Now, folks, the title on this is Ukraine-Putin's Proxy War, and you can find it in two different places. I'll remind you of this uh, again before we get to the end of this segment. But you can find it at Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get this article, you can read through it, you can grab the link, and we hope you share it. But one of the things that I find very interesting in your op-ed today Is when you get down towards the bottom, you've got an illustration in there that's pretty eye-catching. You've got a crowd of people standing at the Western Wall in Israel, and they're all draped with Ukrainian flags.
1: Yeah, that's the Israeli people showing their allegiances to, they're siding with Ukraine.
0: Yeah, they're siding with the people of Ukraine uh, right. And it's, it's very telling because normally at the Western Wall, you don't see anything like that.
1: Right, exactly. And, you know, I had a funny comment. Well, it wasn't funny, but it it was a comment on uh, one of the sites that I posted the article on. And they were saying, how can you support Ukraine, um, you know, over Russia And I gave them a very simple answer, and it kind of shut them up. And I said, because Ukraine does not bomb hospitals and maternity wards and children's schools. Only Russia does that and does so deliberately. You got to understand that these are ethnically two of the same people. Right. They share common DNA, ancestry, whatever. It's kind of like our civil war, which I explained in in last week's op-ed. Um, the Russian people themselves don't want this war. They know they're fighting their own relatives, basically. They're not really behind Putin. Some oh. are, of course, but the majority are not. But they are not free to fight back because they know what happens when you live under a dictatorship. Putin can call himself president all he wants, but he's a dictator.
0: Right. You know, and, and the vast majority of the people in Russia know how this thing started. They know that Ukraine right. was doing nothing to hurt Russia.
1: Exactly.
0: You know, and, and Russia just made the move, you know, Russia in, in 2010, 2010, or 2014 was it? They took Crimea.
1: Crimea. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and and this is a furtherance of that, and you know, the, this was this was uncalled for. There, I mean, Putin's trying to say that you know Russia was, was being threatened
1: by Ukraine. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. And you know what? If you want to play by the rules of war, like the Geneva Convention tries to get people to play by. You don't bomb hospitals, maternity wards, and schools. No,
0: no, I mean...
1: You want to bomb military installations in a war, that's one thing. But to deliberately target civilians to make the most collateral damage possible, that puts you into a whole other category of being basically a war criminal.
0: Well, and, and there's a lot of talk about that, you know, regarding Putin, but unfortunately... You know, you can't do anything about a war criminal running a country until that war criminal is in, in handcuffs. You know, and I mean, you can't you can't do anything about it while he's actively prosecuting
1: this war. That would take a military coup on the military's, you know, on the military's right. part. His generals would have to turn against him. Some might in the end, if they see him going totally, you know, uh, reinvigorating the nuclear option, there might be some in the military that say no frickin way. Um, but it w- will take a revolution from within Russia itself. The Russian people have to rise up and say enough. And, and that's, that's a tall order. Very tall order, and it's being yeah. done in pockets of Russia, but it's not being done on a large enough scale.
0: Right. So at least not yet. You know, like you said in the piece, uh, this is a war with no end in sight, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's part of the the problem. A lot of people, and even I have, uh, when it comes to funding this war, um, there's there's no exit strategy there's there's no end game here but there
1: could be if the right people get involved right. as that's the negotiators
0: true. that's very and true. you know
1: never ever take off the table an emp device can stop it all yeah
0: i, I mean that would that would shut down the power grid in russia and prevent them from launching anything
1: Exactly. You know, we can't swear on a stack of Bibles that Israel has the device, but word is out there worldwide that they do. The United States and Russia, we do have EMP uh, an EMP device, but it is unproven. It doesn't work at this point
0: and and the ones the ones that we do have that have actually been tested work on a small scale right but they don't work on a large enough scale to have the effect that what we understand Israel probably does have would would right. work so
1: right Israel has more than people know and they keep it that way and they do so for a reason and remember, Israel is a nation. All it wants to do is live in peace and be left alone. Work with the people they want to work with. Be friends with who they want to work with. They don't initiated war. They don't initiate wars. It's always thrown upon them to fight back. Well, now they have weapons that they didn't have even during the Seven Day War.
0: Right. You know, and and Israel, if. If everybody else would leave Israel alone, they wouldn't bother anybody exactly I mean, it's
1: it's pretty simple, exactly. but they would make an excellent negotiator because they have kept relations with both Putin and Ukraine, but they don't ask anything from them. They don't need anything from them.
0: The, the and question, that makes them ideal the question then becomes would putin even listen to them
1: i think both sides would listen to israel and maybe not together but i think if presented right i i think first israel would have to present to Putin and Zelensky and then get them to the table. The bottom line is whether Putin and Zelensky like it or not, there's going to have to be some concessions made.
0: Right. But you know, right now I don't think Putin is in the frame of mind to listen to negotiations. I think Zelensky is, you know, yes. if it's if it's you know done the right way. But I don't think Putin is, but the time may come when he doesn't have a
1: choice. Yes. And I just want to say one more thing to all the naysayers are out there who are saying oh Zelensky is corrupted, he's one world government, this and that, he's he's corrupt and etc. The corruption that you know about Ukraine was done under the previous leadership. The leadership that Obama and Biden wanted in power and got in power. Zelensky did not become president until 2019. He has been trying to clean up Ukraine. He's been hit by roadblocks along the way. And some of them are Joe Biden.
0: That's very true. Folks, yes. grab Diane's article, share the link everywhere, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com or rspradio1.com. Title on this op-ed, Ukraine, Putin's proxy war. Keep an eye on, on what's going on there, because I think Diane has really come up with a fantastic Possibility here involving Israel. And right now, I agree with her Israel is the only country right now that stands a chance
1: of negotiating an end game for all of this. Right. We're not going to be able to be negotiators because we are the one that Putin is also at war with.
0: Absolutely. Folks, we got to take a break. Top of the hour here. When we come back, I'm talking about the fundamental transformation of education. Stay with us. There's more right side patriots after this.
1: Hi guys, Diane. Sorry from the Patriot Factor on the PatriotFactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at RSPRadio1.com.
0: You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk, where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet.
1: You're listening to rspradio1.com.
0: Welcome back to Right Sight Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Anderson and Diane Sorry getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show. Glad to have you on board. If you miss any part of it, just go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, you're in. Yes. All That's all it takes. Okay, so, you know, over the past couple of years, we've been hearing more and more, and more and more often, about the situation in public education. And I got to looking at this situation uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, you know, every day in the news, we're getting more and more of these very disturbing stories. And I decided to take that on this week uh, in a piece uh, under the title of The Fundamental Transformation of Education. The situation in our nation's public schools should alarm every American with a working brain cell. We're not just talking about kids here. What we're talking about is future adults and future adults will determine the viability of our entire country going forward. Now this all started decades ago with what I believe was a four part plan. First, Liberals would seize control of the education system via teachers and administrators, including, of course, boards of education. And all of that was facilitated through union efforts. Second came the dumbing down of students, which began a couple of decades ago through the lowering of test standards. Having accomplished both those aspects of the liberal plan, they moved on to phase three, the indoctrination of students, which is meant to usher in the fourth and final stage, cultural reengineering. To put it mildly, we're on the brink of pinning our nation's ability to compete in the world on the idiots that we will graduate from high school over the next decade, who will be neither productive members of our nation's economic future, nor will they become productive, stable members of our nation's society. To this point, I give you the liberal blue state of Illinois. Diane, we just discovered that in Illinois, across 53 schools, there exists not one single student who could read or write and do math at grade level. Not one. Zip, zilch, zero. Now that's staggering. Some of those schools contain hundreds of students and others contain potentially thousands of students. And in 53 Illinois schools, there are no students capable of reading and doing math at their own grade level.
1: Well, now it seems in Illinois, uh, a certain senator is going to be enter center stage. And of course, the blame game is on operation again.
0: Well, isn't it always? Uh, State Senator Willie Preston, he's a Democrat, and he's a father of six, so he's got something at stake. He thinks he knows where the blame should be placed. And according to Preston, quote, I believe this is something that is a byproduct of some of our policies that we were taking during covid this is a very serious issue and one that as a father and as a lawmaker, I'm going to be addressing feverishly, unquote. Now, Preston made that claim after billions of dollars from the federal government were sent to his state for the purpose of bettering education due to the COVID shutdowns over the past couple of years. Basically, what Preston is admitting to is what we all already knew. Shutting down schools was a disaster, and the money showered upon school systems was diverted away from anything to do with educating students. But let's be honest here. The reading and math scores have nothing whatsoever to do with COVID. According to the authors of the WirePoints report, Ted Dabrowski and John uh, Klinger, They point out that in Illinois, the scores for reading and math after COVID were virtually unchanged from the scores before COVID. They say defenders of the current system are sure to invoke COVID as the big reason for the low scores, but a look at the 2019 numbers shows that the reading and math numbers were only slightly better than they are now. You see, if it wasn't COVID, and clearly it wasn't due to the lack of, and certainly it wasn't due to the lack of money, because Chicago alone raked in 9.4 billion COVID dollars for education, then the question is, what is it? Now, I submit that the root of it can be traced to our national education system being run by liberal Marxists who have moved away from core subjects like math and reading in our public schools to focus on social aspects and squishy feelings. It was ridiculous back in 2016 when schools started providing safe spaces for students who had their feelings hurt when Trump defeated Hillary. Therapy puppies, crayons, and bottles of bubbles replace classroom learning of basics. And how about the advent of common core math? It's used to be that 2 plus 2 equals 4, but when you teach kids that 2 plus 2 can equal 5 or 12 or whatever number makes them feel good, well, Diane, you just give them credit so as not to hurt their feelings— and should anybody be surprised at that point when students can't read or perform math at grade level?
1: Well, you know, there's a whole reason behind this. They're not trying to raise the level of education, but to actually dumb down the students to become more indoctrinated. And as they get older, that indoctrination they pass down to the next generation, so on and so forth, and you there you've got your generations of liberal voters.
0: You're You're absolutely right. And of course, reading and math aren't the only areas of concern, because science and history have also become subjects subject to the liberal agenda. Mm-hmm. Science, real science, tells us there are only two genders, male and female, but... Common Core Science is indoctrinating students to believe there are more than 150 different genders, and they could be a jar of mayonnaise if that's their desire. That's your favorite one. Uh, Well, it's one of the most ridiculous, and along those (laughs) lines, students (laughs) have to recognize and accept whatever anyone identifies as, lest they be suspended from school. I want to give you a few examples, folks. In Wynwood, Pennsylvania, we find Al Fermaccio. He's an English teacher at Friends Central School. It's a private school, and he's the sexuality education coordinator there. He teaches classes regarding the sexuality curriculum and organizes sexually-themed programs and assemblies. He also has or i should say he also serves as one of the faculty advisors for the gender and sexual orientation alliance now again he's supposed to be an english teacher okay in what's called an optional sexuality class for Macho shows photos close-up photos of penises and vulvas and a video of a woman ejaculating Now, while Fermaccio holds that class with 11th and 12th grade students, he advocates indoctrinating children as young as nursery school through the 12th grade. Now, let me remind you again that this is an English teacher who obviously doesn't specialize in reading proficiency and he teaches at a private school, Diane a place where parents believe their children will not be subjected to such things. But from where do you think today's private school teachers come? Well, they come from the same asylums of higher indoctrination that churn out public school teachers.
1: Well, you know, in this instance, there are actually two sides to the coin. Teachers are a very big part problem we know that because of how they indoctrinate but there is another part of the problem
0: right it's not just teachers that are responsible for the ruination of our education system it's also the administrators and a good case in point for that can be made within the Loudoun county school board in virginia Now, that's where a report detailing information regarding the sexual assault cases of two high school students is being hidden and covered up by a vote of their school board. Now, according to board member Ian Sorotkin, being open and transparent is incredibly important, but so too is the rights of our students and staff. Now, he says the board claims that re- if they release the report, it would only contribute and pro- to and prolong the trauma of the victims. But here's a question. What about justice for the victims? And can justice ever be delivered by covering up what happened? The whole thing stems from a male student who assaulted a female student in the girls' restroom, at one of Loudoun County's high schools. Now, that same perpetrator later committed the second offense at a different district high Mm -hmm. school. And what that means is that the Loudoun County school system, knowing full well that they had a sex offender as a student, simply moved that student from one school to another because the feelings of the criminal might be hurt if they expelled him from the system altogether. And by the way, this is the same Loudoun County school district that has a history of allowing inappropriate materials in area schools, and they have a transgender bathroom policy that allows boys in the girls' bathroom if they identify as a girl. Meanwhile, in Forsyth County, Georgia, the school board there recently had their hats handed to them. Being ordered to pay a parents' rights group one hundred thousand dollars, now that group called the Mama Bears filed suit after they were shut down while trying to present to the school board pornographic material which they found in the school library. Diana at a school board meeting a year ago, one of the group members, Allison Hare tried reading from the book entitled Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which was in the school library. And she was cut off by the school board after reading this quote, I know that you give someone a blowjob by putting your penis dot, dot, dot unquote.
1: Well, what's very interesting about this is the outcome because while she was banned, something very important was left in place.
0: <laughs> yeah. Allison Hare tried to read from the book at a second meeting and was cut off again. And they sent her a letter banning her from ever attending another school board meeting. They banned her for reading from a book in the school library. But they did not ban the book. Huh. Why? because it would have been pretty tough to indoctrinate and groom kids if the material was exposed publicly. Down in Florida at a middle school, there's a teacher in Orlando who actually posted to social media videos from inside his classroom in which he had white kids bowing down to and fanning black kids as part of his Black History Month lesson. Ethan Hopper, that's the teacher in question, said it was all in good fun, there was no political agenda behind it, and he said the video was maliciously used. To their credit, the Orange County Public School District has suspended Hopper. They should have just fired him. Here's the most disturbing part of that situation. Several of the white students in that video said, we all agreed to it, he didn't really do anything wrong. You see, those kids are so far down the rabbit hole of indoctrination, they can't see anything wrong with promoting racism to supposedly end racism. Hmm. While not all teachers or school board members are bad, the agenda of the left has been set, and teachers who do not agree with that agenda are in the minority of active teachers while new teacher hires are being screened to exclude those unwilling to follow the agenda now that means that through attrition eventually there will be very few teachers in even in red states who will focus on actual education diane i've only cited a few individual examples so far in this commentary but bear in mind this is happening all across our nation and such examples are becoming all too common. So, what will be the outcome of all of this?
1: Well, the outcome about, you know, all of this is going to be very sad indeed because we're now no longer talking about first generation teachers, but we're talking about two and three generations that have turned out kids that don't even know basic reading writing and math skills how are they going to function in the world the answer really is they're not that's that's their hands
0: out yeah that's true second third generation teachers and administrators who've been Mm -hmm. steeped in that liberal agenda leading our education system and indoctrinating our nation's children i'm guessing within the next 10 years We will be graduating from our high schools, kids that are not smart enough not to try and make toast in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. While some will go on to asylums of higher indoctrination, none of them will be ready for the real world, and they will try to alter reality to fit the agenda into which they've been indoctrinated. Their new reality will be one of steep national economic decline, coupled with subjective social justice with no foundation in the rule of law or in the values that have made America exceptional for the past two and a half centuries. So why would the liberal agenda regarding our nation's education system be so hell-bent on uh, impending destruction of the future of our country? And it's because educated children become educated adults— and they strive for exceptionalism while indoctrinated children become indoctrinated adults reliant on the government for their basic needs. Such people will beg for socialism, Marxism, and authoritarianism, which is the only way liberalism can remain viable. Under a socialist system, schools become institutes of cultural change, rather than centers of education and sadly that's exactly what we're seeing right now the system of indoctrination to bring about social re-engineering is now actively conspiring against parents so that the system not the parent have complete control of children think i'm a conspiracy theorist think again Just a few days ago, a teacher, make that an indoctrinator, responded to a tweet that read, Parents, check your school district's policy regarding keeping info about your child secret from you. There are some scary policies out there. Schools should not have the right to keep info about your child from you unless abuse by you is suspected, unquote. Now, this indoctrinator, her name is Kelly Love, issued a response that said, I cannot disagree with this more. So many students are not safe in this nation from their fascist parents, and our guidelines and laws haven't caught up with this. Do you get it, folks? Are you starting to understand what this really is yet? It's Obama's fundamental transformation of America, and the liberal Marxists are weaponizing our nation's children through indoctrination. Let that sink in.
1: Those few lines sum up the entire article, basically, because this is what it is. This is part of Obama's transformation. Of America you take the next generation you then build on that generation after generation pretty soon no one's gonna remember what it was like before the transformation began you know and that's scary
0: folks Diana and I were talking yesterday and we were both talking about how lucky we were to grow up in the times that we grew up in because we had freedoms and and things that kids today will never even know, much less mm-hmm. understand you know when when I went to school as a kid, it was about learning, it was about the subject material it was about reading right. and writing and math and science and you know um there was there was no indoctrination at that no. point. You know, and if you tried to pull some of the crap that kids in schools pull today, y- you were out of there. I mean, they would they would kick your ass out right now. You know, but today yes. because the teachers that are indoctrinating students today have themselves been indoctrinated,
1: these students don't stand a chance. No they don't. And the problem is their parents They're not involved enough to see it. Not all. Some are. A lot of them are, you know, understanding what's going on. But you have a whole other group that still sees school as your child's babysitter.
0: Well, you know, and that's part of Hillary's It takes a village.
1: Oh, yeah. She can take her village
0: stuff. You you, you look at the situation that our, our education system, and it's all the way from nursery school now all the way through college. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's all on this liberal agenda. It's all the woke initiative. It's 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 everything that's bad for students. The one the one redeeming thing that's happened over the past two years, oddly Mm -hmm. enough, were the lockouts, the shutdowns of schools because Kids had to go home and get on a computer, and their parents were there to see it.
1: Yeah, but the problem is they didn't learn. It wasn't set up right for actual learning to take place. That's why the scores are lower now. That's that's true. But But what I'm saying is parents
0: got a chance to see the indoctrination of their kids firsthand. That's true. And, and it yeah. woke some of these parents up, and that's why you're seeing – these these uh, parents now starting to speak out and fight back at school board meetings because they got to see firsthand the crap that's going on in those classrooms and being shoved down their kids' throats by those indoctrinators.
1: Right. You know, when we went to school, we all had to take a sexuality class. That didn't happen till like eleventh. 11- Grade in school. Now they're trying to, you know, shut this down six, seven, eight year old kids. What is wrong with children being children?
0: Well, because if children are allowed to be children, I'm going to play the the liberal, put on my liberal hat here.
1: Okay, your
0: kids' hat. Yes, if you allow children to be children, if you allow them to think for themselves, they stand a pretty good chance of growing up to think for themselves and you can't have that you know if you're if you're pushing that liberalism agenda you cannot have people thinking for themselves because it's like it's like i said in in the commentary educated children become educated adults while indoctrinated children become
1: indoctrinated adults with their hands out that the government has to take care of that's your transformation folks
0: you know and they're they're going to grow up believing this crap is real that there are 150 different
1: genders oh god that's that's one of my you know ultimate pet peeves because it's so simple until you can change dna or as you were born but see
0: now we're in that second and third generation of these indoctrinated teachers And they're Mm -hmm. going along with all this woke stuff. So you got science teachers that very well know there are only two genders, but they're indoctrinating kids to think there's 150. And unless the kids accept that and respond appropriately to it, those kids are going to get kicked out of
1: school. Exactly, but my question to you is: You love the mayonnaise category. Is there a Miracle Whip category? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure there is. It's one of the lewdness. How anybody with even a working brain cell can think of themselves as a jar of mayonnaise?
0: The uh, the Miracle Whip is the kinkier of the two. (laughs)
1: Gender. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, I mean, this is just stupid. It is beyond stupid. It's as stupid as men thinking they can get pregnant and give birth. Well, the but ones that's, that do are still women that have kept their female parts and are play acting as men.
0: But but that's also being foisted on kids in schools. I know. You know, I and. Know. and well, yeah, you know, we talked a year ago about schools that were putting tampon dispensers in the boys' room. You know, I mean, this kind of stuff is just nuts. But if you if you take a child at a young age, and you mm-hmm. hold up two crayons, a red crayon and a green crayon, and you tell them the green one is actually red, mm-hmm. and and you stick to that. That child is going to grow up thinking that
1: green is red. Exactly. It's indoctrination. You tell something over and over enough times, people tend to believe it. Just like with the masses, they listen to the liberal nonsense on, you know, on all levels, right. and they tend to believe it because it's repeated enough. Even if you tell a lie enough times, that lie becomes your truth.
0: It's just, and that's the whole basis of why they're doing what they're doing. Folks, you can get this commentary two places. You can go to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or you can go to rspradio1.com. Either way, I hope you grab it. There's a video in there. You've got to see that video. Um, And it's, I've gotten pretty good response from this. There are people scratching their heads, but I have actually heard, Diane, from a couple of teachers. Who say mm-hmm. I'm spot on? They say I'm oh, spot on.
1: It, it, it's, it's common knowledge that everything you said is true. This is part of the transformation of America. It's not just on an economic level. It's on a social level, on a cultural level, on an educational level, on a medical level. This is the transformation of America that Obama initiated we're just seeing it now really reaching let's say an apex
0: right right and if
1: we don't stop it we're going downhill from here on
0: the title on this is the fundamental transformation of education the nationalpatriot.com or rspradio1.com and with that Diane we have run out of time for tonight's show oh well Okay. (laughs) Nighty night, everybody. Star Trek time. Have a great rest (laughs) of your week, folks. We'll catch up with you on Friday. Bye-bye.